0: College football bowl season is upon us. We've got five bowl games coming to Dallas-Fort Worth. Today on The Mic Drop, we'll hear from Michael Conradi of the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. He gives us the backstory on the historic matchup between Alabama and Cincinnati, and details all the community events that surround the game and the impact the Cotton Bowl Foundation is having in our region. Then we hear from Greg Nard of the Dallas Mavericks. He heads up both the Mavs Academy and Mavs Gaming. Finally, Fort Worth Star-Telegram columnist Mac Engel joins us with hot takes on the Rangers' offseason acquisitions, Spike Dyke's move to TCU, a bold Cowboys playoff prediction, and a series of download recommendations that may surprise you. We've got another strong lineup for you, so let's drop the mic and let's go. Welcome to the Mic Drop, everybody. Kevin Sullivan here, joined by Monica Paul, the Executive Director of the Dallas Sports Commission, along with Next Level Marcus Carr of Tony Fay PR. Thanks for listening and subscribing, Monica. We have arrived at episode 42. Now, for Cowboys fans, that may may bring to mind the career of Barry Church, one of those undrafted free agents that did so well with the Cowboys. But I, I have to go back to the Mavericks again and Not Jerry Stackhouse, not Maxi Kleba, but a melancholy remembrance this week for our 42nd episode for Roy Tarpley, who wore number 42 for the Mavericks for his six seasons, twice interrupted by suspensions for violating the league's substance abuse policy. Roy, Brad Davis, uh, Roy passed away in January of 15. Uh, At the time, Brad Davis told the Morning News, had he stayed healthy, uh, he would have been one of the 50 best players of all time. I'd say he's certainly the most talented athlete ever to wear at number 42 around here uh, of, of, at least uh, in my, in my time, incredibly gifted player <clears throat> who struggled with uh, the demons that have afflicted so many uh, only 280 games in six seasons in the NBA played overseas uh, a number of seasons too, but uh, he averaged 13 points and 10 rebounds, mostly off the bench. Was all rookie in 86, 87. After being the uh, number six pick overall out of Michigan, uh, NBA Sixth Man of the Year Award winner in 1988, a uh, incredibly talented player with a big heart. This was a good person who just really struggled with uh, with substance abuse. So, uh, you know, it's just a sad one to bring up. Uh, but but number 42 for me always takes me back to some good times and some, some sad times and tough times with Roy Tarpley on a happier note, Monica, this is the BMW Dallas marathon weekend. I personally got four family members running in one of the races. Sadly, I am not one of them. Although, uh, in 1987 and 1991, I actually completed, uh, what was then known as the Dallas white rock marathon. So I, 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 this weekend means a lot to me. My son-in-law Eric Schramm is running the marathon Sunday, uh, Three daughters running races on Saturday, Amy, Laura, and Jenny. Good luck to them. We had Paul Lambert on in October. Talk a little bit about the economic impact. Uh, you know, Paul's leadership has been strong on this. How big of a deal is the has the BMW uh, Dallas Marathon become for our region?
1: Well, so Leah, this is their 50th year, which is, you know, that's a monumental feat uh, in it itself. Uh, but that Dallas marathon, the the way that they've grown it over the years, we're expecting over $14 million in economic impact this year. So uh, that's pretty substantial. And I think one of the things, uh, you mentioned Paul, he's done a fantastic job. And one of the things that they've done is, uh, you know, it's not just about a marathon or a half marathon. Uh, this is an entire event for the entire family. And, you know, you can get out there, run a 5k, a 10k. I think they eliminated one of my favorite, uh, which was the two mile dog walk. So, uh, uh, Sally, as many as many treats as I'm feeding Stella, she needed to be out there, but I'll, I'll have to find another way for that. But just a real congratulations! Uh, I won't be running either, Sully, uh, but we do have some staff members and uh, and other people that I know uh, out running, and we'll be out there cheering them on. And it's it's uh, this uh, marathon is one that the entire community gets out there and really supports. So a lot of our professional teams, uh, you know, a lot, expect a lot of music out on, on the course and. Uh, hopefully some good weather uh, coming so that uh, it'll be a joyful weekend.
0: Yeah, it's a great atmosphere. Uh, I will be out on the streets of Lakewood uh, cheering the runners on uh, on Sunday for sure. And I encourage everybody to uh, to check it out. It's a really fun and getting more fun every year. Speaking of big time economic impact, Monica, it is bowl season in a big way. And it's bull season in a big way in North Texas. Let's just run through the lineup a little bit here. We've got the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl out of Toyota Stadium on December 21st. That's San Diego State versus the surging UT San Antonio Roadrunners. We've got the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl at TCU at A. Carter Stadium on the 22nd. That's Army in Missouri. The Frisco Football Classic, UNT, winners of its last five to get in a bowl, takes on uh, Miami of Ohio. Uh, The Serve Pro First Responders Bowl at Gerald Ford Stadium and SMU on the 28th, Air Force in Louisville. Uh, And all culminating with the Goodyear Cotton Bowl at uh, AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington on New Year's Eve. Number one Alabama versus Cincinnati, making history as the first non-Power 5 program to get in the college football playoff. Uh, Of course, we've got some local favorites uh, I'm not going to mention the teams of our, our favorite teams that are not participating, but of course, SMU heads to Boston to take on Virginia in the Fenway Bowl uh, for Baylor fans, New Year's Day against Old Miss in the Sugar Bowl. We've got Mark, we have uh, Michael Conradi coming out in a few minutes. His Texas AM Aggies will be taking on number 20 Wake Forest in the Gator Bowl. And of course, I have to mention my Boilermakers uh, traveling to Nashville to face uh, the Tennessee volunteers in the music city bowl. So how do you think, how do you like the way this all, all played out and how great is it for our area to have so many games, so much national TV coverage, the whole, the whole package.
1: Well, I think it played out well. And, um, you know, really we're, we're football central here. It sounds like uh, with the number of bowl games that we have, but silly, I, I do the way, like the way you skirted around, uh, um, not mentioning that my team is not uh, you know, in a bowl this year, but you did give that shout out over to Michael's uh, uh Aggies that'll be participating. But I'm very, very excited about bowl season. I mean, this is uh this is kind of Christmas and New Year's in Dallas, uh, kind of a staple for, for everyone. And we've got some, a lot of great teams. Uh, I can't tell you how many people from Cincinnati have been reaching out. So we know that those Alabama fans are going to be traveling and are excited. But uh, Cincinnati and what they've been able to accomplish uh, has been pretty special in itself. Um, obviously, our, our armed forces bowl or actually uh, the First Responder Bowl, rather, uh, is, is something that Special and Dear uh, started here in Dallas uh, with Air Force coming in. Air Force played here in market this season and then has played here before. So that's uh, that's going to be a good good uh, matchup. I actually lived in Louisville for a, a short time, so I'll, I'll be uh, maybe cheering on those Louisville Cardinals a little bit. But uh, the economic impact, in, in addition to the national television coverage, very important for for us, uh for what we do from a sports commission standpoint, uh first responder bowl estimated a little over four million dollars in economic impact. And obviously that Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic, uh especially being a CFP uh semifinal match, uh we're anticipating well over thirty-seven million uh in economic impact this year. So uh, excited to welcome all of those fans, all of those teams into the DFW area. A uh, lot, lot of things to do over Christmas and in between Christmas and New Year. So, uh, anticipating they'll uh, get to explore, uh, get to our entertainment districts and sights and sounds here in the Dallas area. Have a great time, and obviously we know we're going to have uh, a, a good game uh, at the stadiums.
0: Last week uh, I was on assignment at the WWE Performance Center in Orlando for a couple days. They are some kind of excited about having WrestleMania, uh, not one, but two nights uh, coming up, uh, in April uh, at AT&T stadium. What else, What's, uh, what's the latest there that you're working on for that event?
1: Well, Sully, I just have to ask, In all of these assignments that you do, uh, they haven't gotten <laughs> you in the ring yet, have they? Uh, you know, you're no. not going to be performing possibly at our WrestleMania coming up. There is, in
0: April. is, there is zero chance of that happening. Although, uh, if I did, I would have a better name than Kevin Sullivan. I would come up with something cool.
1: Well, I mean, Sully's pretty good, but we can work <laughs> on that. We, we, we can put a task force together to come up with a different name. But no, Not you, gonna you, happen.
0: Mentioned,
1: <laughs> you mentioned the uh, other events that take place uh, around WrestleMania. And it's, a, it's an entire week. So uh, obviously we had the on-sale announcement in November and ticket sales for those two nights of WrestleMania at an at and stadium. And now kind of our, our shift, uh, our focus shifts to those other ancillary events. So I had a great site visit with WWE last week uh, at K Bailey Hutchison Convention Center, uh, where they'll be hosting access. And that's basically a fan fest type of event uh, uh, where you can come out, get your autographs, meets and greet uh, with uh, superstars in person. So that'll be looking to run Thursday through Monday. Uh, and uh, other events going on at american airlines center so our full roster and those uh, access tickets should be going on sale later in uh, uh, probably first part of uh, 2022 so january time period so it's very excited to, to get that going we're also working on uh, a lot of uh, community initiatives i think wwe does it best uh, uh, in terms of really engaging with the community and, and the give back and the purposeful legacy that they that they want to leave behind um Yeah. So uh, in addition to that, Sully, uh, we did our human rights presentation to FIFA on Tuesday. uh, And I, you know, I'd already think the leaders and everyone who had put this plan together uh, on last week's podcast, but uh, on after going through Tuesday and our presentation and how stellar it was, uh, we really raised the bar and really made me think, my gosh, you know, Dallas in this region. Yes, we still continue to have work to do, but Um, We we do some pretty impactful things here uh, from a city standpoint uh, and where our regulations and protocols are and the continuous effort that uh, goes on, you know, unbeknownst to a lot of us, I think. Uh, It it made me really open my eyes and look at these major events in a different way and things that, you know, easy things, I think, that we can incorporate into our events to to further some initiatives and make Dallas a, a better place to live for residents and even for our visitors coming in. So excited about that. A few other things working on. Uh, We were, well, World Cricket had just announced and uh, awarded the 2024 Cricket World Cup to West Indies and the United States. They put in a joint bid. So that's an opportunity that we're really eyeing for for 2024. Uh, You know, many people may not know, but USA Cricket is moving their headquarters here to the DFW area. Um, uh, We have a vast demographic uh, in. And, and people who are cricket enthusiasts, uh, unbeknownst to me, but uh, that's that's something that's very exciting and something that we see as a growth opportunity and, and a little bit diversity and, and some of the events that we host here. And then one of the other big things, the NCAA has released their RFPs for future men's final fours for 2027 to 2031. So we're engaging in that process right now. And this one's a little bit unique in that Uh, I don't know if some of our listeners have been following the NCAA uh, equity studies and and kind of the transition that the NCAA is going through right now, but this will be the first opportunity for us to officially, I guess, put in a bid for both the, the women's and men's combined championship together. So where it would take place in one city or in our case, one region. Uh, here so we're excited about that uh, and you know something to build on after we host that that women's final four uh in division two II and three championships in 2023 uh, our focus will definitely be on hopefully we'll have been awarded a, a men's final four uh, and another women's final four by then so um train keeps rolling here at the sports commission silly.
0: hardest working executive in uh in oh, sports no. business and show business what's the timeline on the the latest on the timeline for the decision and the World Cup uh, uh, venues? Well, I
1: would would love to say we're going to hear any day now, but uh, I think we're still projecting Q1 and Q2 of 2022. Uh, So that's uh, what we're working towards. We're going to have some announcements uh, coming in January of 2022 of other community, local initiatives that we're going to be putting forth uh, and kind of growing some awareness, but then also continuing to build upon our legacy programs that we would like to continue all the way into 2026 so a lot of work to do a lot of great work has been done by that the entire group working on the on the World Cup bid so. um, yeah more to come there.
0: Okay back in a moment to talk cotton Bowl classic and college football with Michael Conradi of the of the Goodyear cotton Bowl classic but first over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors.
2: Dallas is known for its big wins when it comes to sporting events. Whether it be Final Fours, Winter Classics, Pro Drafts, or even international soccer matches, Dallas sets the standard. And now it's time for our biggest win yet. We want the 2026 World Cup. The Dallas Sports Commission is working hard to bring the World Cup back to our great city, and we need your help. Head over to DallasWorldCup2026.com to sign the pledge to bring it back. Be sure to follow us on all social media at World Cup Dallas to stay up to date on all things 2026 World Cup.
0: Thanks, Rachel. And now we're pleased to be joined by Michael Conradi. Speaking of hardworking people, Michael is the uh, chief marketing officer of the Cotton Bowl Athletic Association, which makes him the main point of contact for corporate sponsorship, all the activations that happen, the fan experience, communication strategy, media operations. He's the main contact with ESPN, uh, of course, the rights holder for the Cotton Bowl, Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. Uh, Also works on the other in-season college football games that are held at AT AT&T. Uh, stadium uh, Michael's been with the Cotton Bowl since 2001 after a stint at the Big 12 he spent some time as a sports writer at the Bryan College Station Eagle he's a Dallas native journalism major at a so Monica here goes uh, another Aggie conversation for you uh, Michael welcome to the mic drop really good to have you on
3: hey Sully thanks for having me on Monica thanks so much
2: I love, got, I love yeah.
3: what you guys are doing, by the way. I, I think this podcast is phenomenal. And and certainly just listening to you all before this, just just the amount of things that the Dallas Sports Commission has going on right now and what they're doing for North Texas is is phenomenal, truly is.
0: Well, appreciate you saying that, Michael. And tell a friend, the Mic Drop uh, audience is growing, and you're kind to uh, to say that. We're having a lot of fun. And Monica keeps churning out all these events for us to talk about, so it's it's pretty easy. Uh, you've got a, a fascinating, historic matchup at, at this year's Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic with undefeated Cincinnati, uh, the first non-Power 5 Conference team to get in the playoff. And of course, Alabama at number one. Alabama is Alabama. Uh, so break down this, this matchup for us. Uh, what should fans expect? What do you like about it? Uh, how is it unique and different?
3: Well, you know, I think the word that you use, Sully, is uh, historic. I mean, that's exactly what it is. Um, you know, here you have Alabama, who is tried and true when it comes to the college football playoff. This is their seventh appearance out of eight years of having the college football playoff. Uh, just shows the the level of of the program that that Coach Saban has built. And then over on the other side, have an undefeated Cincinnati team who is just so excited to be in the playoff. And, and certainly I think to represent, uh, all of those other schools, certainly that have scratched and clawed to get to this point and here they are. And, and it's, uh, it's really fun to watch how the fan base at Cincinnati has come out in droves to, to support the Bearcats. And, um, needless to say on new year's Eve, I mean, it'll be split down the middle, uh, between Alabama fans and and Cincinnati fans. And so, it's such a special time of year to, to be able to um, work all year round to get to this point uh, on, a, on a game as big as the college football playoff semifinal. To work with these two teams, the fan bases, to create an experience. And that ultimately, that's what we're going to try to do is create an experience for these folks, the teams, the players, the athletic department, the fans. Um, one that's unrivaled and, and uh, like no other, as we like to say, hashtag like no other.
0: If I'm not mistaken, if my exhaustive research uh, was accurate, Alabama is the first number one ranked team to play in the Cotton Bowl in a while. I think it was Monica's Longhorns back in 1978 who came in as number one and fell to Tony Faye's Notre Dame Fighting Irish, who were ranked number fifth. So sorry, Monica, uh, by a score of 35 to, to, to 10. But what does it mean in the way the playoff works? Is it is it? Obviously, it's a good thing they had number one, but what does that mean to have the number one team? And and specifically, what is it like working with Alabama as as really the, the dominant kind of elite program now?
3: Well, I mean, certainly to be able to say that we have the number one team in the country coming to play in our game just adds a, a, a level of, of sizzle to to everything around our game. And so from that standpoint um, it's huge for us. And, you know, people think, well, gosh, you've been in the, you know, you've hosted two semifinals before really, this is the first number one. And yes, I mean, we've had the two versus three matchup in our previous semifinals. So this is the first time we've had number one as part of the college football playoff. And, and so it just, it raises the bar. You, you're, you you already have award winners on Alabama squad. Um, you're hopefully going to have more depending on how things shake out with the Heisman this weekend um and so you know everything just ratchet gets ratcheted up based on having the number one team and and the all-stars if you will that that come really with both honestly when you have a top four matchup um and and honestly it it shows Kevin and and then you know the buzz locally just builds when you have a game of this magnitude and and so you know we have um you know certainly plenty of folks that are knocking on our door that want to hear about what's going on around our game and and um, it just, it, it's just great for North Texas. I mean, this is part of the fabric of North Texas. We've been here for 86 years. This is the 86 Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. And, and ultimately for us to be able to um, obviously have the community embrace this event the way it, it does, um, just it, it's, it's, it's part of, of who we are as a community. And that's what's so fun about this game and all the bowl games in all honesty. It's, it shows off North Texas for what it is, a phenomenal place to live and and entertain folks
0: you've been at this a while what I know each year you try to learn something from the previous year's game to make an improvement whether it's fan experience or operationally what is something that'll be tweaked maybe a little bit a little bit different newer bigger better in this year's edition of the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic
3: yeah, Sully. I mean, the first thing I would say is that if you look, uh, if you compare it to last year's game, everything's going to be different, right? This last year was all about COVID, and and thus, you know, our events didn't happen, and and um, you know, we had a, a fifteen thousand in attendance for the Cotton Bowl, followed by the Rose Bowl. You know, literally forty eight hours after the the Cotton Bowl last year, so uh, it, it last year was was truly unique, and so the fact that we're back. Uh, to producing all of the events around the game, expecting a full house here at AT AT&T Stadium. I mean, those are the biggest changes, certainly. Um, But going back specific to your question, Kevin, there's a book that that was given to us by the former athletic director at Auburn University, Jay Jacobs, back when, called Raving Fans. And it's a customer service-based book. And And the premise behind it is you can't be all things to all people Try to take a few things and do them to the very best of your ability. And ultimately, if you can get 1% better each year in what you're doing, and it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you've been in business for 86 years, uh, it adds up. And so that's who we are as an organization. You know, we're going to put on the absolute best bowl game we can for the participating teams first and foremost. Our goal is to have the players walk away saying that was the best experience they've ever had going to a bowl game. And then beyond that, certainly our goal is to create an experience for the fans traveling to AT&T Stadium. So, so you know, we always are finding ways to tweak and get a little bit better every year. And uh, But this year, we've got a lot of room to improve based on last year.
1: Well, Michael, I think uh, I always hear from the teams and uh, the, the level that uh, your staff has done in terms of really raising that bar for other bowl games yes. and the experience that you have with those teams and the coaches and the fans is, is always amazing. So thank you for everything that y'all do uh, for us in the North Texas region. Can you give our, our listeners, I mean, it's, it's more than just a bowl game. Y'all, y'all you, there are some other activities that, that go along here um, within the area for, for, to create ah. that, in, that full package and that full experience. Give our listeners an idea of what are, what are the other things that uh, happen here uh, surrounding the game?
3: well it's it's a week's worth of events so this year for instance uh both alabama and cincinnati will arrive on december 26 uh just so happens to be that the cowboys are hosting washington at AT&T stadium that night so we're going to take both teams to see uh see the big game uh, which could be a very big game for the cowboys you know home field advantage in the playoffs on the line potentially so uh, it starts there and then there's something going on it seems like every minute of every day but you know, ultimately, as we get closer to the game, it ramps up. So for from a public perspective, from, from fans traveling in from Alabama and from Ohio, you know, we start on the 29th with, with Six Flags Fan Day, right? To encourage fans to come out here, enjoy, you know, this gem of a theme park that we have here in North Texas that, that's that been, a, you know, a part of the community as well since the 1960s. Uh, Holiday in the Park is going on, so it's real festive. And so fans can get in certainly for a reduced price uh, to be part of fans day. And then the next day here at AT&T stadium at four o'clock, we have what's called the battle of the Bands. So on December 30th in the West Plaza here at AT&T stadium, the new Miller lighthouse as they call it, we have, um, the battle of the bands, who can play the loudest, who can play the proudest, uh, between the two bands, pep rally type atmosphere, food, uh, entertainment, sponsor activations, etc. cetera. And then we're hoping that fans just roll right next door to Texas Live because that evening, starting at 7 o'clock, we have what's called Cotton Bowl Live presented by Dr. Pepper, and it's a concert uh, for fans inside Texas Live. Uh, and, and Monica, you've been there, Sully. I mean, Texas Live, the night before a big game at AT&T Stadium and on game day, it is hopping there. So that will be the place to be the night before the game for sure. Uh, and then you roll into game day, and we have the Goodyear Huddle Up Fan Fest Uh, on both plazas at AT AT&T Stadium. Really the way we are able to kind of divide up the tickets, we can can basically assign a team to each plaza. So in this case, Alabama will be designated the West Plaza and Cincinnati the East Plaza. So as part of the Huddle Up Fan Fest, we'll have pep rallies for both teams. Um, So fans should go to their kind of designated plaza and be with their their fan base uh, and cheer on uh, the team, get ready for the game. Again, all kinds of activations, food trucks, um, entertainment galore that will last for three hours. So from 11.30 to to 2.30 when we kick off, uh, fans can enjoy the Goodyear Huddle Up Fan Fest.
1: Well, Michael, with all of that, I don't know how you improve 1%, 1%, 1% each year, but uh, y'all seem to to be able to do it. So again, thank you for that. And this is, I believe, your 22nd Cotton Bowl Classic to work. Can you give us your favorite or a most memorable moment?
3: Oh my gosh, there's too many to count. Um, uh, you know, listen, joining the college football playoff in that first year, you know, the Cotton Bowl obviously has been, you know, a top tier bowl game for a long time. But but ultimately, we knew that, um, you know, that we wanted to be at the top tier of postseason college football, and and when that window opened up, when the college football playoff came into, uh, to came to be a reality. Certainly we did everything we could to be a part of it. And here we are, and certainly playing in AT&T stadium has a huge um, uh, bearing on our success. I mean, it's, it's a phenomenal place to call home and, and uh, you know, but going back, Monica, gosh, I mean, if you look at it, um, you know, not going to be a Homer here, but that Texas A&M Oklahoma game with Johnny Johnny Manziel was, was a special year. We could have sold the stadium out two times over that year. It um, maybe not so special if you're a sooner, uh, but it, it certainly was for the Aggies. But there's been some some great ones for sure over over my 20 years. But I tell you, they start they start blending together. Monica, I mean the, the time goes by way too fast, and you look up and you say, "Well, no, no, that was that was five years ago." And then you look out and you're like, "Whoa, well, that was 10 years ago! How the heck did
1: that happen?" I, I agree with you. I think time sure does fly. Or I'm starting to notice that a little bit more as I get older and. Uh, Michael, I'm going to have to tell you that, uh, you know, I, I don't mind the Aggie talk so much. I, since I grew up in, in Caldwell, uh, you know, a mere like 23 miles outside of College Station, I'm going to have to go pull some Brian College Station Eagles out and, and see some of your uh, uh, your, your journalism here uh, uh, in the in the past days. So uh, but before I turn it back over to Sully, you know, there's we're well, many people within our community are always focused on on giving back. Uh, and I know one of the things that we're working on from a sports commission as it relates to a lot of our major events as well uh, is, you know, foundation work. And Cotton Bowl has a foundation. Give our, give our listeners a, like, what is that about? And how do you impact the community
3: there? Well, absolutely. I appreciate you bringing this up because it's a big part of who we are now. and And really, this is a result of the college football playoff. And before the playoff was around the way the the business model worked is basically 75 cents of every dollar we made went back to the participating universities and so you know at the end of the day um you know the 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 money was was going back to higher education and certainly you can make the argument that the the money derived from um the college football playoff certainly goes to help higher education today but based on the new business model, what allows us to do is take any revenue that we make from the game and apply it towards a new foundation, relatively speaking. We've only had the Cotton Bowl Foundation now for just over five years. And by doing so, it allows us to really get into our community and figure out where those that need uh, the most help and figure out what we can do to help them. So we just announced in this uh, last week our new grant recipients for the year. Um, So as of Today, we're giving out roughly four hundred thousand dollars in grants every year to the local community to those that need it most. We have a great partnership with the food banks. We just did a uh, mobile mega market here at AT&T Stadium with the Tarrant Area Food Bank just before Thanksgiving. It was their kickoff to the holiday season. Um, you know, through uh, North Texas Giving Day this year, we raised funds for the Arlington uh police department to be able to to go and get some new um service dogs um to help uh you know here at the stadium and beyond it's amazing what those those dogs do and um protect all of us uh here at AT AT&T Stadium and beyond and so that was really a fun endeavor to get to be around those dogs and help them raise funds for a very worthwhile endeavor and so you know we're constantly looking for great ways to to uh help impact our community and We've done a lot of great work too with the College Football Playoff Foundation and the Extra Yard for Teachers program. This year, we partnered with them to give grants to Catch Up and Read and, and uh, Urban Teachers, two phenomenal organizations here in North Texas that are truly changing lives on a, on a daily basis. And so, um, you know, it, that's really the, the most fun aspect of what we do now, Monica, is trying to figure out how we can help others and, and really bring light, shine light through, a phenomenal, you know, event like the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic to bring attention to the to really the 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 work that they're doing, where they are truly. We're, hey, listen, we 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 realize that we we play in the toy department of life here at the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic, but hopefully, hopefully, we can we can really make an impact in our community and and raise awareness for for those that need it most.
0: Michael, you just described how so many of the of the sports entities in North Texas operate. It really does. There is was so much given back to the fans in the community. That is really impressive. So uh, thanks for, for running through that. And speaking of giving back, you you mentioned uh, the player experience. What's, can you tell us what's in the goodie bags this year for the Bearcats and the Crimson
3: Tide? You, you know, uh, Sully, if I told you, I'd have to kill you because <laughs> funny. Sports Business Journal does a story every year about what, what's in the player package. And every year, we're the one, <laughs> the only bowl game that says that we wouldn't give them the information and and it starts at the top i I give credit to rick baker on this one he's like hey listen if it was your birthday would you want to know your present before your birthday no so the idea is that we want to create a surprise for the players and have them you know be wowed when they get here and uh it'll be great as always it is great i know what it is but i'm not telling so that's
0: awesome a good call by rick i'm glad to hear him stay strong and in that right. And that buckle. And last thing before we let you go, Michael, the, I know, you know, Bill Hancock, the college football playoff chief is a friend of the podcast and we've had him on and uh, I know he's on speed dial for you. Uh, what is your take on uh, where uh, college football playoff expansion is right now? And, you know, is that a good thing for the for the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic?
3: Well, it's, it's fascinating to watch. Well, first of all, college athletics right now—I mean, talk about the wild, wild west. I mean, every day there's something uh, new. You you know, there's uh, there's plenty to chat about on this podcast alone, just based on what's going on in college athletics. But specific to the college football playoff and, and Bill Hancock, first of all, they've done a phenomenal job uh, over these many years now with the playoff. And if you look at it this year, they got the teams right. Right? There's there's really not even a a question as to who number five, uh, you know, who number four and five is. I mean, we got our top four teams and, and I think everybody's in agreement. Tony may not be with his, his Notre Dame <laughs> Fighting Irish, but I think the majority of the country feels like we got that the college football playoff and the selection committee got it right. I will say though, certainly I think we're, we're headed down a path where inevitably there's gonna be expansion to the playoff. Um, you know, Obviously it's, it's gonna be fascinating to see what the conference commissioners do when they meet in January um that will probably be the line in the sand as it relates to determining whether or not we can get this expansion off the ground before the end of the current contract cycle that goes through 2026 or do we just finish out the contract cycle and then worry about whatever the future of the playoff looks like after that but uh ultimately for us you know the 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 playoff scenarios that have been mentioned with the expansion to 12 teams and the possibility of creating quarterfinals and 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 uh, first round matchups. I think in that scenario, the way it's been described to this point is that bowl games would be a part of those quarterfinals. So whereas right now we host a semifinal every three years and in those non-semifinal years, we're getting a top 10, top 12 matchup, um, now we would be hosting a quarterfinal. In those years, we're not hosting a semifinal. So truly every game would count. I think you know it would be a phenomenal um, step you know, for us to go up even more. And, and, uh, and, you know, from a economic impact perspective for North Texas, it would just continue to, to raise the bar. So we're in favor of, of, of looking at, uh, you know, playoff expansion. And as, as long as the Bulls are part of it, that's critical. So I think they will be all, all, all discussion to this point, uh, leads that way, but, um, it's going to be fascinating to see what they do in January.
0: Well, Michael, we know how busy you are. We really appreciate you spending some time with us here on the Mic Drop today. All the best for a great 87th edition of the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. Uh, and now over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors.
2: All right, Sally, what are you doing this weekend? Because I'm going to the Dallas Zoo. The Dallas Zoo provides guests with real-life opportunities to make memorable connections with its more than two 1000 animals. Please support the zoo's mission to inspire and empower action on behalf of the wildlife in Texas and around the world. Visit dallaszoo.com today to purchase your tickets.
0: Thanks Rachel and now we are pleased to be joined by Greg Nard, Mavericks Senior Vice President of Player Relations, Mavs Gaming and Youth Basketball. Greg another interesting guest here on the mic drop. He formerly ran his own marketing and talent agency. He's a veteran of Nike where he worked with Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods. We've all heard of them. Uh, Worked at the William Morris Agency, played college hoops at Maryland, and author of the book, The Ultimate Assist, Helping Our Kids Succeed in Sports and Life. Greg, welcome to the Mic Drop. Really good to have you on.
4: Hey, thanks for having me.
1: Well, Greg, I have to know, uh, uh, what led you to writing the book? And tell us what The Ultimate Assist is all about.
4: First, good morning, Monica. It's good to see you again. So, uh, you know, I wrote this book um, over COVID and, you know, for the first time in, you know, over 30 years uh, of working in sports, I felt like I had some time to do something outside of work. Uh, Being in shelter in place, I felt like, you know what, I had to do something. And I thought about a couple of different things to to do outside of my job. One, I wanted to learn how to play the piano. That was one option. Another option, um, I wanted to kind of go into the wine business Uh, and then there was fires at that time in Napa Valley in that particular area, so that was out. And then um, I started writing a book about 10 years ago. And I decided that, you know what? I want to write this book on youth sports. Um, And about five years ago, I was going to do a blog on youth sports. And in that blog, um, I created about 15 different topics. Uh, And I wanted to write a blog because at that point, I was coaching some uh, fifth, sixth, and seventh grade girls. And I saw some things there that I thought I could help uh, the youth sports or just sports in general in the community. Um, I've been working in sports for over thirty years. Uh, you mentioned it. I played at the University of Maryland. I worked at Nike. Worked as an agent and working with the Dallas Mavericks the last uh, seven and a half years. I have two daughters who play uh, who played professional basketball. Once coaches at the university of Oregon and another uh, plays professionally over in Russia right now. So I said, you know, with all that experience, why should I not give back to us to something that's been so good to me and my family? So that's why I wrote the, uh, the ultimate assist.
1: Oh, well, actually I, I just learned a lot from you, uh, Greg. I mean, those two daughters were hosting the women's final four in 23. I may have to, uh, get them involved. And now I I know you, well, obviously I probably suspect you support women's basketball too, but uh, yeah, there, there may be a lot of work to do here uh, in the future. So uh, obviously our our listeners, and we're, we're well aware of what happens on the court with the, with the Mavs. uh, But tell us a little bit about the Mavs Academy. How big is that camp program? How, how is it unique Uh, or, or maybe how, unique is the approach that the Mavs have to that Academy.
4: Okay. Thank you. So, uh, just, uh, so my daughter, uh, is, um, coaches at the university of Oregon. So I'm a huge advocate of women's sports, uh, women's basketball. I'm also a board member of the KEL foundation. So women's sports, uh, is huge for me. Matter of fact, the next book that I'll write is advocating women in sports. So, uh, Excited to work with you in terms of the women's final four. Uh, In terms of the Mavericks uh, Basketball Academy, uh, gosh, what we've done over the last uh, several years have been, uh, I'm just so proud of our team. Um, We touch about 20,000 kids in the Metroplex, and that consists of um, uh, camps, um, clinics, skills training. Um, we do tournaments We the youth tournaments. We also do high school tournaments. We just recently had our uh, Mavericks fall classic out in Frisco, um, uh, had 96 teams, um, 40, uh, 48 men's yeah, boys teams and 48, 48 girls teams, uh, amazing tournament. Some of the best talent in the, in the, uh, in the Texas area, uh, some great teams as well. So, um. And then we have a jersey program, a jersey program that we we try to work with um, recreation centers who can't afford to pay uh, for uh, expensive jerseys. So we, we we provide a jersey that's affordable to the recreation centers, like the Boys and Girls Club. Uh, and then we also have a, a program that we just launched last year that I'm so proud, uh, proud, and probably the most fun programs in and for the Mavs Academy that I worked on over the years was it's called gym it's girls empowered by the Mavs and it's a uh, a program uh, for ages 9 through 14 uh, girls only Uh, and what we found out and the reason why we created this program Monica was because uh, the fact that girls are starting to walk away from youth sports and we wanted to do our job in terms of the Mavericks in um, Trying to f- figure out a way to get them excited about sports again, and there's different reasons why they're walking away from the game. But in with the gym program, you know, we have a couple of different buckets or pillars that we call them. One is uh, financial literacy. Uh, two is um, uh, physical and mental physical health, and then mental health. We have a great partner in UT Southwestern who uh, who we work really close with in terms of the program so that's what we do in 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 Mavs Basketball Academy
1: well that's very inspiring I I have to say we have a kind of common theme here on the mic drop of uh, you know our professional teams the athletes that make Dallas and North Texas home always giving back to our community and making it a better place to live Uh, and I think that's become even more evident uh, here over the last four five six years uh, from a Mavs Standpoint, Greg. Why, why? You know, why is it so? I, I guess, important from a Mavs perspective to ensure that you're giving back, and you have some of these programming programs like the Academy, like the gym uh, program. Why, why is that so important to the MAPS?
4: Oh geez, uh, and for uh, you know, just shoots kudos to Mark Cuban first, uh, and, and then obviously St. Marshall does an amazing job in our community. But but Mark, for a long time, uh, has done a phenomenal job of helping. Um, for, first of all, helping our players, uh, and then the organization. Just the importance of how important this community is for us. Uh, there are fans, right? They are the ones who support us, and they support us during the good times, and they support us when things are not going so well. So uh, the the community piece for us, uh, and actually Katie Edwards, who's our uh, senior VP of community, does an amazing job of working with different uh, partner, uh, community partners or nonprofits in the DFW area. So community and giving back uh, is a huge part of our, our DNA.
0: Greg, I had the good fortune uh, during my years with the Mavericks. I was there at the, at the birth of the Mavericks camp program. And uh, what you're doing today is so impressive, Uh, but I also know you're standing on the shoulders of Jim Guy, who, who really started from scratch with nothing. And sort of invented a camp program that went from one to two to three to four, to being all over the Metroplex with great coaches. We had strong involvement from the Mavericks players. So just a quick shout out there to uh, to the uh, foundational great work by by Jim Guy, who's now retired, other than keeping stats for uh, for Chuck Cooperstein and Brad on, on Mavericks Radio, but really a remarkable uh, launch to to what became the Mavs Academy over the years by Jim Guy. So let's let's shift to esports, which you also oversee in Mavs Gaming. Give us an update. What's the what's up with the team? When does the season run? Uh, what's happening there?
4: So we, well, first of all, uh, again, I, I couldn't uh, uh, agree with you more. Uh, Jim is the one who started, actually, he started one of our programs called Hoop Camp, and it's still a pivotal part of our youth basketball programming, uh, and uh, he's just, you know, he created something special uh, with our Hoop Camp, so uh huge shout out to Jim, uh, who's, again, is still working with us on the stats side, and we're just happy to get a chance to see him on a regular basis during the games, during game day. Um, in terms of uh, Mavs gaming, you know, this is a year number five in Mavs game, uh, Mavs, sorry, Mavs gaming, which is the NBA 2K League. And, um, you know, each year it continues to get better in terms of one, we had, we had another team this year, a team out of Mexico called Ducks Gaming. Um This is number 24 teams. Uh, Last year, um, we had the playoffs and championships in our space here in Dallas, Texas, at the Mavs Gaming Hub on Deep Ellum. Um, We have the number one pick going into the um, the 21-22 draft, which is amazing. Uh, Second time in five years where we have gotten a number one pick. you know, the, 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 the structure has changed a little bit in terms of um, the number of players uh, prior to this year, we we had six players and we had a coach and a team manager uh, this upcoming years. They, 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 they uh, we now will have five players and then head coach and then team manager slash assistant coach. Uh, but, you know, the league has done such a wonderful job, not only from a domestic standpoint, but also from an international standpoint. Uh, one, two, uh, growing the game from the women's side as well. Um, we've had a, uh, several females participate in the 2K space. Uh, last year, we had a uh, we had our own uh, Ziggy Zaya, who played on our team in. Uh, we're just excited about this upcoming year. We've retained two players from last year, uh, Sick One and also uh, Zay. Um, uh, and then with the number one pick, we're hoping to get uh, uh, to bring on a point guard to the Mavs gaming. But from a business standpoint, we just continue to grow uh, and we're growing with the league. As the league grows, we grow and vice
5: versa
0: first two years of the nba 2k league i i was uh hired to do some media coaching with the with the with the players and the mavericks the mavs gaming was one of the teams i worked with and dimes was there at the time and and uh, who was the other number one pick that you referred to and i went in very skeptical about what this was going to be all about i remember the uh, the minnesota gaming team guys talking about doing walkthroughs on the court before a, a big a big matchup and i and i I, you know, and I wanted to roll my eyes until I saw how serious and passionate and committed uh, these 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 young people were. Uh, so I understand now better of what it's all about. But as somebody, you know, you played at Maryland at a, at, at a high level. What do you think about this? You know, do you understand the attraction of of, of people gathering to watch uh, you know esports athletes play a video game?
4: Yes, I do. First of all, you know, they, with the work that these players uh, do to get to this level, it's 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 like any other professional athlete. They spend hours a day trying to um, grow and trying to try to become a professional gamer. Um, what we do, it, it's crazy. It's crazy because our motto is very similar to that of traditional Mavericks. Model. For example, uh, we have a draft uh, coming up the end of February and our draft book is that thick. You know, we're, we're, we're literally going through each position trying to figure out and our, we have a draft board and all it's, it's, it's amazing. And uh, the mindset that we have in terms of just trying to create a business and trying to grow the, the business, but in terms of just the player, the player piece. Uh, it, you know, these men and women are serious about it. Um, um, I sat on the board, this is where kind of blew my, my mind a little bit. Uh, three years ago, I, I, I sit on the junior NBA advisory board and we had a meeting at the uh, All-Star uh, weekend in Charlotte three years ago. We had about five youth ages, 11 through 14. Um, we asked a question, uh, who's your favorite player? Uh, one of the boys that were in the group, they said, well, it's LeBron. Well, it wasn't LeBron. It was another high-profile player. And we said, well, why is it your favorite player? And Because that's who I play on NBA 2K. I've never seen him play. I don't know what he looks like, but that's my favorite player. I'm saying all that to say, in 10 years, we don't know what, viewership is going to look like is it going to be traditional TV is it going to be twitch which is that's kind of how kids kind of participate and watch the Gen Z Gen Y consumer today. Uh, they just look at things a little bit different. So I think this whole gaming space is something that um, we're going to see more of in these next several years.
2: Greg, um, we, we just touched on, you know, it's Gen Z, Gen Y, are the future. So what is the future for Mavs gaming and what does that look like to you?
4: Yeah, I I think it's what it is. It's, um, you know, over COVID, um, for the first time, we had an opportunity to uh, be on, you know, linear TV. So we're on ESPN2, right? Uh, And for the first time, America got a chance to see the NBA 2K League on national TV. So that was pretty cool to see and be a part of. And I think that's what you're going to see in the future in terms of just the NBA 2K League itself. You're going to see more teams, we, you know, Ducks gaming out of uh, Mexico. We also have another team out of China who's a part of the league as well. So you're going to have, it's going to be, it's going to, I think it's going to look a little bit like the NBA, which is an international teams and international um, players. Um, right now, we didn't have many players on the international side last year. I think there was a total of maybe two to four. Uh, but you, you'll see more because we continue to go into the markets and, uh, again, educate them on the 2K space. So I think that's what it's going to look like. It's going to be streaming. It's going to be Twitch. Uh, I love the, uh what was last year, I believe, the NFL. Um, for that consumer, um, show the in the Super Bowl on Twitch, again, so again, that's kind of where we're going, so uh, it's more to come in terms of Twitch and uh, streaming and, um, you know, those gamers playing at a high level.
1: So, Greg, before we let you go, we, gotta, we have to uh, get your thoughts on what to expect from our Mavs on the court for the rest of the season.
4: Yes. uh, Yes. Uh, I'm. First of all, I'm super excited. Right now, I think we're seven. We're in seventh place. But uh, seventh place, I think there's about six teams, uh, like one game out of fourth place, and we're one of those one game out of fourth place. You know, I think the key to this year is one. You got to stay healthy, uh, and that's every team. Every team is one player away from being knocked out of the top five, top eight. Um, but you know, what we're learning right now is, uh, you know, Jason has done a nice job uh, thus far in terms of, uh, you know, getting players to buy into his offense and defensive philosophy. Um, but I think, you know, it's a learning process. You got a new coach, you got a new philosophy of new, new way of doing things. So I think that's, you know, I think we lost four games in a row and then we won a big game last night at, uh in memphis um so i think we're just going to continue to grow i love the style of basketball that we play with uh with um with jason uh so i think a lot of good things to come uh, i wish i could say that we're going to go be a top four i can't do that but i really like the direction i like the style of play i love how luca and kp are playing and tim hardaway jr and jalen is bringing some good stuff um uh, I like where we're, I like where we're at. I, I think we're going to put ourselves in a position that we'll be a top, top four to 16 uh, in the, uh, in the West. West is hard. It's extremely hard. You know, you, you look at the West today, there's, there's 18, there's 10 teams that can, can make the playoffs. And uh, right now you have, you have golden state, you have Denver and Utah who's kind of leading the way. And then you got, six to eight teams so close to being in the top eight spots. So I'm excited about the season.
1: Well, Greg, thank you for joining us. Definitely uh, wish the Mavs uh, not only on the court, but the the esports and gaming mm-hmm. athletes much success this season as well. And uh, we look forward to having you back on the mic drop down the road. Awesome. Thank you for joining us.
4: Thanks for having me and uh, good seeing you. Uh, good seeing you too, Kevin. Appreciate you guys.
1: And now over to Rachel for, for a reward from one of our sponsors.
2: The Perot Museum of Nature and Science plays a vital role in preparing the most talented and diverse STEM workforce of tomorrow right here in Dallas. Become a member today and enjoy free admission and other valuable benefits to support this nonprofit landmark. Visit PerotMuseum.org for more information.
0: Thanks, Rachel. Now we are pleased to welcome to the mic drop Mac Engel, the award winning columnist, longtime columnist from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Mac, thanks for joining us here on the Mic Drive.
5: Uh, this is my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me, Kevin. I uh, I have heard of you for years and years and years. I've never met you. You have such a right. great reputation. Randy Galloway told me great stories and everybody else in DFW Media was always told me great stories about Kevin Sullivan. So when I heard you were doing this, I would of course said yes anyways. I've known Monica for a little bit and Tony Fay for sure. Uh, but I was really happy to finally get to meet you in some capacity, even if it's virtually.
0: Well, that means a lot to me. I really appreciate those uh, those kind words. You can't have much better uh, of a character reference than Randy Galloway. So that's uh, <laughs> so that's pretty cool. I really appreciate that. So let's start with the Rangers' moves. I mean, bombshell. You know, Chris Young and John Daniels had said we're going to spend money, and boy, did they ever more than five hundred million. What do you What do you make of the the? I know we're in the throes of a uh, temporary lockout. I'm optimistic we're we're not going to lose time. So setting that aside, what do you make of the uh the off moves of the Rangers?
5: I was shocked. I, I didn't think they would do it because uh we've heard that for several years in a row that they would spend money and do this and then they didn't do it. There's always some dog ate my you know laptop excuse why they didn't. And and I, I couldn't really even fault them for it because there's two ways to, to build a team, which is one you do it through, you know, your farm system, through uh player evaluation of young players, or and development or you buy free agents and if you go into the free agent route it's expensive and the rangers tried this famously in uh 20 and 21 and 22 or pardon me 2000 and 2001 those off seasons when they got Arod and ken cammini and andre Scalaraga and all these guys and it didn't work at all so that's when tom hicks decided okay we're just going to build this team through the through the minor league system and we're going to do it that way, and it worked, but it takes a long time, but there's no guarantee that will work. Well, that's what the Rangers have been trying to do the last five years, and they kept missing on all these prospects and developing them, so then clearly they were frustrated, and Ray Davis said, go get me some players, so they went out and got some players. Um, you know, this was not a good team last season. They lost 100 games, but I got to tell you, I'm excited to watch them now. They, they They rebuilt the middle of their team, and if you look at most sports teams if you're strong up the middle you'll probably be pretty good they're not going to be a five you're not going to make a 20 game improvement no team does that but they can be relevant which is something they haven't been for five years and finally fans can have a reason to go out to you know globe life mall and watch something other than each other drink you know food and you know drink nachos and drink beer i mean they, the teams just have been so bad but i i am excited about seeing what guys like Seeger and something similar and all these other guys do because They've needed some infusion of talent, and that's what this was.
1: So Mac, big move by uh, Sonny Dykes uh, over the last few weeks, coming from uh, SMU to TCU. What's the impact going to be there for for TCU? Well, I think the
5: the first thing that he did was to make it plainly plainly evident that he's not Gary Patterson. Oh, that's a cute dog you got there. Um, uh, to make it evident that he's not Gary Patterson. And I think there was a lot of fatigue between TCU and Gary Patterson, not Fort Worth, but TCU and Sonny Dykes is a different guy. He's an offensive oriented coach. Gary was all about defense. Although Sonny really stressed defense. And if you saw at the big 12 championship game, the two best defenses were in the, the big 12 title game at Baylor and Oklahoma state. Um, I think you can expect a, a, a team that's going to be really receptive to taking transfers. Uh, Gary was Gary would do it, but he wasn't crazy about it. Sonny is totally fine with it, um, and I'll be really interested. And, and the other thing too, is he promises to be open with everything. You know, Gary over the last few years, ten years, uh, had grown kind of paranoid, as coaches do, and then they kind of lock it down, and all becomes about one voice. Well, you guys know better than anything else. I mean, TCU is not Texas. You got to sell TCU. You gotta make things available for them for, for people uh, to, to wanna to watch your program. Because if you're not one of the big brands, you gotta sell it. And I think Sonny kind of gets that. Now, well whether whether it'll work, I, I don't know. it's hard to guess, but there will be a dramatic change, at least visually, on that program.
1: You care to make a prediction on who what teams we're gonna see in that college football championship?
5: uh, Alabama, cause you could probably pencil them into the last five years. I, I, as much as I want to see Cincinnati beat Alabama in the college football playoff at the cotton bowl, just because I think it'd be a great story. And, you know, the Hoosiers and all that, uh, I just don't think Cincinnati, you know, talent wise can match up with Alabama. And then on the other one, uh, I think Georgia is going to beat Michigan and I think Alabama is going to beat Georgia again. I think Alabama is just, I mean, It's a boring pick, and I would love to be able to say somebody other than Alabama, but until they prove me otherwise, I'm taking the tide.
0: Mac, the Cowboys uh, look destined for the postseason. What do you think happens uh, next uh, once they get there?
5: Uh, I think it's going to depend on a couple. Like the, The seasons now are so delineated, right? I mean, there's like three teams from both conferences that have a chance to probably get to the Super Bowl, and the other four are just in the playoffs. I think the Cowboys will be one of those three teams. I think the Rams look pretty good. I think uh, – who else am I missing? The Rams look pretty good. The Cardinals look pretty good, obviously. And obviously the Packers because they've got Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Because I think – and certainly Dallas is going to be one of those three teams. And then it's just how do they play on that particular day in that playoff game? And do they finally win it? I mean, they haven't been to an NFC championship game since Barry Switzer was the head coach. So I think it's just gonna. It, it, I, the, the reason I'm more excited about the Cowboys isn't Dak Prescott in the offense is because their defense is starting to look pretty good. And if you have a pretty good defense, you got a shot. And if you look at the defensive players who are coming back, Randy Gregory, Demarcus Lawrence, and they got Micah Parsons, who looks like the second coming of Lawrence Taylor. And they finally have a good safety, a, a guy who's playing pretty well at safety and J Ron curse and a good cornerback and Trayvon Dix. They get players on defense. And if you can do that then I think you got a shot and I think if you ask me right now right now I think they can get to the NFC title game and then after that it's just kind of a coin toss but if I had to guess right now they will go to the NFC title game and they will play Green Bay and they will lose to Green Bay because for whatever reason Aaron Rodgers owns the Cowboys just like he owns the
3: Bears.
0: appreciate that a couple of good hot takes there. So <laughs> Mac this is the uh, this is the portion of the podcast where we ask our media guests to to let us know what you're downloading what are you streaming could be podcast music book tv movie what recommendation do you have for our mic drop uh, listeners i was really
5: excited about this question when i when (laughs) i i know i really really was because i've done a podcast or two where people have asked me that and i panic and i can't name anything so i took the time to write it all down so when it comes to podcasts i become a really big history buff podcast guy I love history. I love American history specifically. So one of my favorites is American History Tellers. Uh, It's created by a guy out of Dallas, a guy who coincidentally is named Lindsey Graham, spelled just like the senator. He is not the senator, uh, but he's a a, a guy who used to work at SMU. He has uh, an MBA from SMU. I interviewed him for a while. He's a neat guy. He does a lot of podcasts on history, but the one that I I enjoy them all, he's got a great voice. Uh, It's Lindsey Graham and it's American History Tellers. Uh, there's another one called It Was Said. Uh, and those are about famous speeches in the United States history. Uh, there's another one called Stuff uh, You Didn't Learn in History Class. Um, Professor Buzz Kill, Key Battles of the Civil War. That can be a little, that can be a little too eh, almost like you're in a classroom. Uh, and another one called Against All Odds, which is about famous stories about people coming o- overcoming uh, horrible situations like. Oh, the plane crash the the peruvian plane crash in the 70s where the, the people resorted to cannibalism or edward shackleton's trip down to the south pole um those are though and, and what i'm what i doubt what i watched uh on lately on streaming was uh the 100 foot wave series on hbo that was really good the video was and that was just extraordinary Uh i like the morning show It's a little soap opera that was on apple tv i kind of enjoyed that i was a sucker for Ted Lasso just like everybody else and then anything Star Wars. If you're Star Wars junk, I'm watching it and I watched and I watched the Marvel series, the TV series that they've produced uh, on Apple TV or no, Disney Plus. I've enjoyed that. And let's see the three books that I've read recently. The with the first one Kevin is called The First Conspiracy and that's the plot to kill George Washington. There was a plot to kill George Washington when he was the general of the Continental Army. That was kind of interesting. Uh, These are all kind of dark. Uh, The other one's called Operation Nemesis, and that was a a plot to kill the Turkish leaders who orchestrated the Armenian genocide right around World War I. That's really, really interesting. Operation Nemesis. And the last one I read was Pirate Hunters, which is the true story about these guys and the whole uh, sort of subculture of treasure hunting for pirate ships and lost ships at sea. Those were all really interesting. I highly recommend it. I know this makes me a total nerd and a total dork, and probably everybody was expecting me a bunch of sports stuff. And I was like, you know what? I consume enough sports stuff during the day. I really love learning about history and all the subjects that I blew off when I was in high school and college. So now I'm trying to catch up as I approach my 50th year on this planet.
0: I just feel like my IQ went up like 25 <laughs> points. I mean, this is this is this is like when Mark Followell comes on, Mac. We we all get smarter. Yeah he yep. has all this intellectual stuff. Uh, <laughs> before we go to Monica for her download, uh, I love all the history recommendations. I'm a, I'm a John Meacham fan, and he's got yeah, he's- uh, a great podcast called Hope Through History uh, that's done through the History Channel uh, podcast syndicate. He's great, so, isn't he? Yeah, he's great. And Lindsey Graham, I, I listened to American Scandal, yep. uh, his one on the Paola scandal in radio. I didn't know he was a Dallas guy. Yeah, uh, Monica, we may need to get him on, find a reason to get him on the show because uh, he is, he has a great voice and uh, he does a great job. So Monica, what do you have for us this week?
1: Well, so like, I'm with Mac here of like, uh, I consume and, and work in sports every day, all day. Uh, so when I'm listening to podcasts or, you know, streaming, it's, it's most likely non-sports related. So I've gotten into this true crime podcast uh, here over the past two, three weeks, I guess, with my drive back and forth uh, to Dallas. So I'm uh, into over my dead body right now. So I've just finished season one and it's got three seasons. So I'm I'm about to hit season two tomorrow. Uh, So, yeah,
0: these are all good recommendations. And and Matt, clearly our listeners will now have a, a new appreciation for you that they that will add to what they when they read your columns. I'm going to, uh, I, of course, I'm maintaining my devotion to Succession and Yellowstone, uh, which are both great and sort of building to to big crescendos here before the holidays. But, but speaking of the holidays, you know, I'm Catholic, it's Advent, and uh, my wife Joanne and I committed to watch The Chosen, which is uh, the first ever episodic TV show on the life of Jesus. It's the story oh, wow. of the Gospels, and uh, we're four episodes in. The first season was actually shot in Weatherford. Uh, at the Capernaum village there, uh, and it is it is very compelling. They've tried to make it as accurate to the Bible as as, as possible. At least that's what they they uh, they set out to do, and it's pretty cool. So so we make a commitment that we're going to watch an episode of The Chosen before we garbage up on some of our other shows. <laughs> and I think the other night, I think Joe and I probably became the first people in streaming history to do a double header of The Chosen and Yellowstone. So we went from Jesus. <laughs> And 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 Simon, and Andrew to Rip, you know, and uh, and and the and the Dutton. So so that's what uh, so that's what what I've been doing.
5: I have one other suggestion. I listened to it. I think it was either a six or eight parter, and it was done by NBC News on South Lake Texas. And the whole thing that that school board and the community was going through it was very insightful. Um, probably a little, you know, left leaning. If I'm being you know completely honest. But it was it was compelling. The interviews were really well done, and it was very well produced. Uh, and and that's one if people are interested in that subject and how school boards and especially one like that that it's kind of its own animal. That was another one. That, that that's another one. It's, uh, South Lake.
0: Well, Mac, it has been a joy to have you on. I learned a lot. This was really fun. I appreciate your uh, wait, wait a minute, I got payments. I got one
5: question for you. I have a question. Yeah. Do, I, do I have time to ask? Yeah, a sure, sure. Okay, sure. so for. uh, Randy Galloway, obviously, is a longtime DFW sports personality. And I had heard the story. This is all secondhand. That when you worked in the Bush White House, that after George W. appeared on Randy's 700th show or whatever it was. Because right. uh, Randy's longtime producer, Mother Chris Mother Garcia, was my college roommate and one of my closest longtime friends. And he had said to me, he said, they they invited Randy to come up to the Oval Office. And I thought, well, okay, maybe. And then sure enough, on a Cowboys road trip, Randy comes back and he says, I saw the president in the White House. And he, he had said that you were the one who helped facilitate on that. How did that happen exactly?
0: Well, the way that happened, first of all, the other little anecdote about that is when President Bush called in, Galloway thought it was Frank Caliendo impersonating uh, George W. Bush. He thought he was being set up for a prank, uh, you, you know, so so like uh, Greg. So that was pretty funny. Know uh, you know president bush is a people person he loves mm-hmm. sports but he's really curious about people and he hit it off with galloway you know uh, back when president bush was the managing general partner of the rangers and uh you know went on his show a number of times and was interviewed by galloway and just really liked him and so when that happened he invited him to stop by the white house and he did and so so uh that's how it happened it was just simply an invitation from president bush because he was you know, he liked sharing the White House experience mm-hmm. and he loved having people who otherwise wouldn't get the chance. And he had a, a little mini tour. And I think it's online somewhere uh, that President Bush would sort of tell you what all the stuff in the Oval Office represented and where it came from and the history. And so he enjoyed sharing the experience with with uh, friends and 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 people like Galloway, who we knew would appreciate it, but get a kick out of it. But uh, he just really likes Randy. And of course, who doesn't like Randy? Right.
5: Well, the one time I've I've had a chance to meet the president twice, the first time when it was governor, the second time he was out of office, he had thrown the first pitch at a Rangers game, and John Blake brought him down to the interview room, and he was great. You could tell, you could really tell he was happy, and he was glad to no longer be in the White House, and afterwards, he's walking away, and he says, hey, where's where's Galloway? And and I was kind of answering it, and he, he says, is he back in rehab? (laughs) <laughs> <And> I told <laughs> I told Randy that story, and he got a kick out of it. That's a question I'd always wanted to ask you: how how that all came about and how it happened? Because uh, yeah, it was he, very. He was really happy about it.
0: Yeah, and you know, sports played a big role. It was a, it was a great connector between me, at, with a sports background, and and President Bush. But you know, we'll have to talk about that another time, Mac. There's a lot of great stories involving uh, sports and the presidency, uh, and Dallas sports. So so more to come on that. So. So on behalf of Monica Paul and the Dallas Sports Commission, thanks to our guests, Mac Engel. This was really Thank fun. Uh, Michael Conradi of the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic and Greg Nard of the Dallas Mavericks. Thanks to the Mic Drop Production Team, Danielle Whitelaw-Pescura, Angela Lang, and Marcus Carr, Tony uh, Fay, PR. Uh, our intern, uh, Reeves Edens, Mark and Jay at Vocal Media, who keep it all humming. And our showrunner and visionary, Tony Faye. Until next time, thanks for listening, everybody.